there are certain messages you hear when you come into church. I'd like to share a couple of them. You might hear good news. If you are very, very good, God will love you. Or you might hear good news. If you are very, very sorry for not having been very, very good, God will love you. Now, notice I didn't say these were the right things for us to hear. But here's the last one and the worst one of all that we hear when we come to church sometimes. God loves you. Now, if you don't do something to mess it up or get out of line along the way, God will keep loving you. These messages may be good for some people, especially churchgoers, respectable religious people who feel that they are already in touch with God, people who already know the behaviors of godly people. And they may even be good news to those who feel they've been extremely far away from God. They can make it up. They're ready to come to church and pay for their sins in full. But these are not good news for ordinary human beings like you and me, people who haven't been particularly bad, but we know they're far from perfect, at least by the standards of most respectable people. Some people are looking for religion, and some people are looking for a faith to believe. So what about the normal people who haven't strayed too far off the path? What about us? Religion seems to be for the smart and respectable people like the Pharisees, while faith seems to be something more than just attending church and doing and saying the right things. Now, I'll get back to that in just a minute. You've heard it said in the Bible, though, that Jesus repeatedly ate with tax collectors and sinners. Those people are the ordinary people, people without the religious and social status that seems to go with a more respectable life. That's who they were, tax collectors and sinners not the chief priests or the Pharisees. And if this is the case, if Jesus ate regularly with tax collectors and sinners, then it looks like the good news was for ordinary people first, not the pious and respectable ones, not the churchgoers who tried to do everything right or, get, or, or the holier than thou that boast perfect Sunday attendance Jesus came for the lost, not to establish a religion. Jesus came for the lost, not to establish a religion. How many of you believe that? Well, I'll convince a few more of you as I go on, hopefully. Let me ask you, which one would you rather have? Would you rather have religion or faith? Which one is the one? Faith. I'm glad you answered that. Maybe I don't have as much uh, convincing uh, that I think I have to do. But before, let's, let's see if we can kind of parse this out a, a little bit, and we'll start by defining these two things, both religion and faith. Uh, religion is defined as a personal set or institutionalized system of religious attitudes, beliefs, and practices. So one who is religious is largely tied to behavior and the outward aspect or the outward facing indicators of belief. In other words, religion is merely a language that you can use to express what is fundamentally inexpressible. Now, if that's the case, if religion is about behavior and outward appearance, 
then faith can be defined as personal and mysterious and individualistic, inexpressible, and indefinable. Religion is the means through which faith is expressed. You've heard the phrase that when somebody does something religiously, how, what, what do we mean by saying that somebody does something religiously? They do it what? Religiously, meaning over and over and over. That's what we mean when we say somebody's doing something religiously. But maybe this is part of the problem with religion. And I would, uh, I would posit this morning that there is one preference that we need to have over the other because I think there's a problem with religion. And Jesus thought there was a problem with religion too. At least the writer of Hebrews thought there was a problem with religion. And that problem is this that Jesus already took care of the action necessary to show that forgiveness of sins has taken place. Why is, I know you know that for a fact, but why does the writer of Hebrews bring this out? Well, it's because in the Old Covenant, the priests, all the people who were in charge of religion had to stand uh, in, charge of, in charge of sacrifices. Those are the priests. Uh, had to stand in front of the temple for time after time, day after day, night after night, while the people brought their sacrifices that could never take away sin for good. We talked a little bit about this the past couple weeks. As many times as an animal was sacrificed, there would always be the stain of sin and another sin waiting to be committed and atoned for, and then another sin committed again and another uh, sin needing to be atoned for through sacrifice, these poor animals, right? There was only one way out, and that one way out, I think you know, as Jesus, and particularly his sacrifice that once and for all forgave sin. Ritual animal sacrifice, in essence, said, I'm sorry. So when they came before God, they said, I'm sorry, but it didn't mean anything until Jesus' sacrifice in faith said, I forgive you. And the writer of Hebrews is trying to get us to understand this clearly. Both are necessary. A little bit of religion isn't a bad thing. But one ought to take precedence with us, and I think we all know which one should. At least you answered affirmatively just a few moments ago. We don't need to keep sacrificing animals, and that's good. But the question is, how much today, in our context, does our religion get in the way of our faith? That's really the question. I think we need to let go of religion and hold on to faith. That doesn't mean we should stop doing some of the things we do as they are direct expressions of faith. Even Hebrews said we're supposed to be doing what we're doing now, and that's getting together, gathering as the people of God. We should get together for worship and for study and for fellowship. But the problems come, brothers and sisters, when we substitute those things for our faith. When we say, my attendance at church equals my faith, or my attendance at Bible study, or uh, if I packed over 10 bags of uh, food for the food pantry and gave them out, that takes the place of my faith. Well, that's not true. That's not true at all. 
Hebrews is trying to remind us that we need to let our religion go a little bit so we can hang on to a little bit more of our faith. If Jesus was the sacrifice to end all sacrifices, then why did the people keep doing it until they were told to stop doing it? It's because religion makes us feel good. It feels like we're doing something. Going to church makes us feel good. Religion is something we do rather than something God did, and that's exactly the problem. When it takes the place of faith, religion is a hindrance to understanding and applying that faith to our lives. And that's because what we think we do somehow means more than what Jesus did. Let me say that again. That's because what we think we do somehow means more than what Jesus did. And that's not the case. Just recently, and I've, this has happened a number of times, where in the process of counseling pre-married couples for weddings, uh, we give them a, uh, a little assessment. Uh, there are a couple different, uh, different assessments out there, but we hand it to the couple and we say, we want you to fill this out. It tells you a little bit about who you are and how you're approaching your marriage, and it lets uh, pastors or other counselors know about the couple right offhand. And uh, in most of those assessment is a spiritual assessment. Where is the couple spiritually? And uh, I noticed that uh, one of the couples that I met with was not very strong, uh, did not have a very strong assessment in the area of religion. And being a pastor, it seems a pretty important part of things. So I asked them about it. Now, it wouldn't be the first time that a couple responded to me in this way, after asking them about religion and their faith and their practice of it. And they said they looked at religion as an entity that gets it wrong more often than it gets it right. Do you believe that? Maybe. They shared that when religion gets into politics or into other things in regular life, they make a mess of things. And that's for sure. We've seen that very recently. They mentioned hypocritical behavior as a major turnoff, which some of us exhibit from time to time. And they don't really see the great redeeming value of church with all of its rules and its regulations and procedures and how many songs are we supposed to sing on Sunday morning and how many prayers are enough and all of that sort of thing. So they did not participate in it. They had very little interest in doing so. And my response was this, and I hope it doesn't surprise you too much. I validated their responses. I said, you're absolutely right. The big church has made a mess of things over the years. We fight, we complain, we attack others and other groups every now and then. We hold on to our traditional rituals and ways of behaving by the teeth. But I also let them know that behind those failed attempts at being godly were people who still trusted in the atoning sacrifice of Christ. And there is nothing more central than that for us as Christians. They were just a group of flawed individuals learning how to live lives of faith, no matter how successful. That's what church is supposed to be, I thought. It wasn't about following a bunch of rules and regulations. It was about learning how to live a life of faith. And I think that's why Jesus said in Mark what he did. In our context, well, first let's go back. In that context, 
they're walking past the temple and the disciples notice how beautiful the structure is, how wonderful the temple is. Look at all these stones and look at all the beautiful stones inlaid in it. And Jesus' remark is rather curt and uh, concise. Uh, yeah, take a look at them, but not one of them will be left unturned or stacked upon one another when he was done with things. And you wonder why he says that. Why did he say that? And I think it's because this reason. It's not religion God wants from us, but rather our trust and our faith. Jesus wants us to follow him, not an institution. God doesn't want us to be churchgoers. God wants us to be Christ followers. Yes? Jesus wants us to follow him, not an institution. It's much more of a challenge to live a life of faith than a life of religion, by the way. We're not just about following the correct and acceptable ways of doing church. We're also about letting go of doing behavior so that we can express faith and hold on to hope, as Hebrews says, directly from the text. So I am going to ask you about this, but let me tell you that I first asked myself this the past week as I prepared for today. Have you done too much religion this week and not enough expressing of your faith? That's what I asked myself. And when it comes to a church that's doing work, uh, work uh, or a pastor that's doing church work, I asked myself, have you spent too much time propping up religious activities of Lehman rather than helping people explore their faith? They were the honest questions that I asked myself. And I think I did a little bit of both, but I know which one was probably better. It wasn't propping up religion. It was developing faith in people. You know, it's a little odd. Just yesterday, we were talking about behaviors. A group of us, uh, about 40 or so, we were in the fellowship hall, and we are thinking about the behaviors of a church that had its eye on moving in the directions God would want it to go. And we talked a lot about how the church might behave in order to see these positive and meaningful movements into the future. And as I listened, and as the groups worked at their tables, I mentally said this to myself after hearing them, after and, and as they were identifying these negative and positive things that have happened in our church over the years. The church, this church included, has always done better when it chose to risk something, to break beyond the way it has always been done, to see how God would breathe new life into it. The things that they chose were always less about the church than it was about Jesus. For example, uh, we at one time in our history here put together musical programs uh, that brought lots of people and lots of joy uh, to the church. Well, my sense is that when we decided that we were going to do this and we were going to do it together, that it wasn't just about doing a play or a musical that made a lot of sense and brought a lot of people in, although that may have helped, but rather because it was focused on sharing the message that we have to share. The very message that we get today in Hebrews, that Christ's atoning sacrifice is once and for all and forgiveness of sins is ours. It's less about religion, about doing the right things, than about having faith that God can do something wonderful and is doing something wonderful in our midst. So, my question is, how about you? Jesus wants us to be sure of one thing, and 
maybe more, but the primary of these things today to hear through Scripture is that you and I are forgiven through Jesus. We don't need to offer other sacrifices. God doesn't need anything from us. He never did, except maybe our love, to show him that we loved him, somehow to share that we loved him. We were worthy of God's love even before we knew it. We were worthy from the very beginning. Why do we keep trying to earn God's love as if our church attendance was going to get us further into the gates of heaven? Why do we keep struggling to find the right things to do and show and, and all of that when it's really about only one thing, and that's the atoning sacrifice for sins through Christ? We're already forgiven, Hebrews says. The questions are these. How much religion is part of your faith? And is it negative or it's just a little bit of religion. It just helps us move along. It's not the first thing. The first thing is faith. The second thing is religion. Our religion, what we do, is based out of what we believe, right, and what we value. But how much religion might be getting in the way of your faith today? That's the big question. How much are we substituting for our faith? God wants us to let go and to hold on, to let go of religion, at least a good deal of it, and hold on to faith instead. Hebrews reads this, let us hold on to the confession of our hope. That's not religion, that's faith. Let's do less doing. I know I sound like a Lowe's commercial there. Let's whatever that is, let's do, let's keep on doing or whatever. Anyway, I'm saying let's do less doing and be more. Or do more being, let's put it that way. Let's stop trying to earn God's love through religion. Let's start not substituting our faith for the religious practices we hold. It's not that they're unimportant, it's just that they don't come first. Faith comes first. Let's just rest in the forgiveness Jesus has provided and still provides and let our works, what we do, be a result of our faith. Let our religion be a result of our faith, not the other way around. The one who made the promises, says Scripture, is reliable. We just need to live the promise, not live to get the promise because the promise is already ours. God proved it by giving his son. Letting go is hard. Letting go of practices and behaviors that may be substituting for our faith is a little bit difficult. It's a lot more difficult for an entire church to figure out that same question. But letting go makes it possible to hold on. And that's what we are looking at this morning. Some of us need to give up on religion. Some of us really do. And we need to give in to grace. Let go in order to hold on. My prayer this morning is for us as we do this work of finding out, well, what is it religiously that I do that probably doesn't make a difference if I think about my faith? The crux of what we believe is not in what we do, but what God has already done for us. Yes? 
My prayer is we can live into that as the days go by. Let go of religion and hold on to faith. Amen?